Alright guys, welcome back to season 5 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We got a packed show for you guys this week and yes. guests to come for the next following couple weeks. But man, oh man, we're talking about all the drama going down with Spotify, mm. Neil Young, and Joe Rogan. And of course, you guys know we're talking about Game Changers, Mighty Duck Game Changers. There's a lot going down in Hollywood and we're super excited to talk about it. Absolutely. I, I, our top 5 is awesome this week. It's, it's a little different it's historical sporting events so um and and guys go figure the goat retired on the day we're doing historical sporting events so there you have it timely right it's freaking crazy man it's freaking crazy but something else that's really crazy and really exciting about season five of inside the crazy ant farm is this episode is sponsored by self pause a self-affirmation yes. meditation app that helps you start your day stay motivated and love yourself because you guys know we have been talking about this subject a lot with our guests on the podcast about staying mentally prepared for the entertainment industry and how to do that when preparing yourself for life. So this app, Self Pause, is definitely a way to keep your mental health on track. Absolutely. And here's the really great thing about it. It's available in the app store so you can get it no matter what you got, what kind of phone you got or whatever. And there's they offer two different tiers. There's a free tier and a premium tier. Now, if you're worried about the premium tier, guess what? You can try it out free for two weeks, 14 days, and then it's only $3.99 after that a month. I mean, to keep your mental stability and to keep positive and keep re – that's worth it. Exactly. Totally worth it. Exactly. You guys need to check this app out. Do it. We do it. We love it. I think you will too. I really think so as well. Selfpause.com and like he said, uh, Google Play and the App Store on iOS, iPhone systems. Yes. But now it is time to get this crazy show started. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly! It is episode 182 of season 5. Season 5, y'all! I mean, damn! I know. It's I crazy. cannot believe we are getting ready to start our fifth year. Mm -hmm. it's, it just seems like it has flown by, but we have been so blessed to have such an amazing audience and such amazing guests and just like, it is so fun to do. We have missed you guys. We are so happy to be back from hiatus and boy, did we come back for a good week because there's a lot of stuff going down and oh, so much to talk about. That is for sure. That is for sure. No guests this week, but man, we've got them lined up for the next <laughs> fell or a lot of weeks we have them coming on, raising D on people and we have an amazing voice actress coming on who's been in literally everything literally if you've watched any sorts of animation you've heard her voice Absolutely. so i'm super excited about that but like i said it's episode 182 and you guys know your host with the most myself jlo fantastic and the one and only mouth What's up? and yeah i mean there's a lot going down in hollywood and we're super excited about it and like we said we just have to say thank you for everyone who has been with us since day one we've been posting and thank you everyone who has been sending their well wishes because we both got COVID during the off season. <laughs> that we both extended recovered. hiatus. Yeah, we yeah. both recovered. We both feel back to 100%. So life is good here at Crazy Ant Media. Yes! Man, oh man. But the big story of the week, before we get started on that, we're out of practice, like we said. Like we said, but be sure to visit our merchandise website, <laughs> www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest
latest and greatest crazy ant media gear. You can see our stuff now, guys. You can see our stuff. There's no computers in front of us. That's right. Nothing like that. I'm sure you noticed there is a little bit of a different camera angle, but that's what we were talking about before we went into the offseason. We're coming back new and improved, and we're looking to satisfy all of you. <laughs> but man, oh man, we're excited because the biggest thing that's going down the past couple days is this Spotify thing with Neil Young. As everybody knows, there's music and podcasts on Spotify, and one of those podcasters that has an exclusive deal with Spotify is the one and only Joe Rogan with his Joe Rogan's Experience podcast. And he has said some questionable things about basically everything going on in the world, <laughs> including COVID. And with that, he has voiced his opinions, some of them may being factual and some of them very opinionated. Well, Neil Young did not like everything he had to say. So he made an ultimatum to Spotify. was like, listen, motherfuckers, you are either going to keep my catalog or you're going to keep Joe Rogan. That's it. That's the bottom line. I don't want a peacemaker. I don't want anything like that. So it's either Joe Rogan or Neil Young. And it looks like they chose Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. And and Neil Young followed through and took his music off. Um to which several other artists are now starting to follow suit yeah. and take their music off as well. Um, I will and, say a lot of older artists. Yeah, older and, artists. And, and look, does that matter? Yes, it does. Why? Because the stock price dropped massively yeah. the day after he pulled his stuff off and the controversy blew up. Uh, they've lost $2 billion in value. Now, that's almost half of what the deal with Joe Rogan was. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, it's big. It, it's, it's a big deal. But um, we've talked about it, and my thought process on this is whether you like Joe Rogan or not, whether you like Neil Young or not, it doesn't matter. Mm. It, this is an open platform where they have all different types of people and artists on there. Um, if you don't want to listen to Joe Rogan, don't listen to yeah. Joe Rogan. Like, if you don't want to listen to Neil Young's music, don't listen to Neil Young's music. Um, to it, it, I just think that it, it's – and I get all the people that are boycotting it, and I respect your opinion, and I respect yeah. you canceling your Spotify accounts and everything. That's your choice. But, um, you know, when we start censorship, when we start censoring things – you know, then then we start getting like, okay, where is the line, right? Freedom of speech. Yeah. I mean, you, you if you don't want to listen to them, don't listen to them. That is your choice. And if again, your choice. If you don't want to back Spotify anymore, get rid of it. Yep. That's your choice, right? And that's how it should be. Nobody can force you to keep Spotify. Nobody can force you to not keep Spotify. Nobody can force you to listen to a show or not listen to a show or music or not music. It, that's that's it. So that's my thought on it. And I mean, you know, we, we got to walk that fine line between censorship and where we stand. Yeah, for sure. My, I mean, I really wish that Spotify would have played more of a peacemaker situation like I was talking about earlier. But it seems like they were just like, well, bye, Neil. Bye. I, yeah. I, like, it seems like they could give a shit less about his catalog, which sucks for the old man. Look at his life. Um, but it's just – it's one of those things, man, when you just make a decision on what's more relevant right now, I guess. But with that being said, it did hurt the stock and did affect it. But, I mean, podcasting – and Joe Rogan has, like, the number one podcast in the world right now. So it's, it's a teeter-totter thing, and which is unfortunate because I like both of them. Uh, it, so. It's true. And, look, the, the fact that the situation is – 
is, you know, because a lot of the younger generations like, ah, oh, fuck Neil Young. Yeah. But clearly not, guys. I mean, when somebody pulls their stuff and it affects you by two billion dollars, yeah. the guy is damn re- relevant. Like yeah. he's clearly still relevant. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, it all does come down to the buck, and and you know, so you got to just kind of go with that. But you know, let us know what you think because exactly. this is a controversial topic. We want to know what you think. Do you agree with censorship? Do you agree you just don't listen? Like, what are your thoughts? Clue us in. Tell us. Comment. You know, because we're all about firing it up for sure. All right, the Mouse House. You know, we always start with the Mouse House because they're the biggies. And what is the big thing right now? Marvel and Star Wars. Marvel and Star Wars. Well, there's big Star Wars news yes. apparently. Mary Elizabeth Winstead has joined the budding cast of Ahsoka, which, of course, is the next Star Wars live-action series gearing up to go into production at Lucasfilm and Disney+. Plus. We're all super excited about this. Now, as you guys know, Rosario Dawson is starring as the fan-favorite character Ahsoka Tano, a Jedi Knight survivor popular on the animation side of Star Wars and made her live-action debut on the second season of The Mandalorian with old Grogu. Remember, she could actually talk to Grogu. Yeah. We also know that Hayden Christensen is reprising his role of Anakin Skywalker. Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Vader, um, who, and this show is set actually five years after the events of The Return of the Jedi. Um, So there's a bunch of other people joining it, and of course, plot details and Winstead's character information are being (laughs) kept under wraps at the farm. Um, So, but as soon as we know, you'll know, but I like this. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is a fantastic actress. She's phenomenal in everything she's ever been in. Um... Good call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm super excited for this one because, I mean, a lot of good stuff is happening in the Star Wars universe. I mean, The Mandalorian definitely brought everything back and made it more relevant because, let's be honest about it, the last three films that came out weren't necessarily the best. I mean, I, I enjoyed them as a Star Wars fan, but I know they were a lot of critics and a lot of like super hardcore fans that were just going in on Rey and all that stuff, Kylo... All that stuff. But, I mean, the television side of things have been doing things right, in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. Mandalorian is still superior to Boba Fett. Um, And with this latest episode that dropped, spoiler alert, with Mando coming back, we're freaking (laughs) super pumped about that. But I think every Star Wars fan is looking forward to the Ahsoka Tano series and the Obi-Wan series. I think those are the two that are going to take Disney Plus, like, all those people that, like, cancel their subscriptions – between Mandalorian seasons who aren't into Marvel, which, I mean, if you're into Star Wars, basically you're into Marvel. It's kind of like, you know, (laughs) hand in hand. But, I mean, once these two shows hit, I feel like the subscribers will jump. Because we talked about the last time we were on the show, they did technically miss their subscriber uh, numbers uh, in the last quarter. But I think with this next quarter, it's going to look pretty good. Yeah, and and look, make no mistake, Disney and Lucasfilm also understand – what happened with the films and where the TV side is at. Yeah. And they have not made it a secret. They are focusing on Disney Plus and the and the series yeah. instead of the movies right now. Their focus is there. And that makes sense because you can kind of fix things that were wrong in the movies. For sure. You can add backstories to the things that might not have been played out in the movies and get it all into shape. Before we go into the, the movies again, which that just makes sense. It's a very smart decision, it in is. my opinion, so I'm super happy with it. Um, some very exciting things that we are very excited <laughs> to see because we know that, I mean, rumors have been saying, and I think it was confirmed before we left, that Emilio Estevez is not coming back to Mighty Duck yeah. Game Changers, yep. which kind of sucks because we were super excited to see him in the first season. But 
another guy that we're super big fans of is Josh Duhamel has joined season two of Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Um, Duhamel joins the show in a new character named Gavin Cole, and he's a former NHL uh, player turned coach, described as an inspirational, charming, and hardcore. <laughs> and now he's big on the hockey metaphor that applies to life. And he runs a super intense summer hockey institute where the Mighty Ducks land in season two. So I'm very excited about that. I think he's a great addition, especially I think him and Lauren Graham's uh, dynamic is going to be really special. But I'm just excited to see this thing come back because there was some shows on Disney Plus that we were we thought were guaranteed a second season and that just fell flat like Turner and Hooch. Yeah. So I'm happy to see this one come back though. Yeah, and 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 that's I'm curious. Will he? Be- be a love interest? Will he not be a love interest? Right. Will it just be platonic? Because they like were it? trying to set that up with Emilio's yeah. character. Yeah, so th- this will be interesting to see how that goes. And will it be a quick write-off for Bombay? Right. Like that, that's another thing, yeah. right? I'm hoping not because – and even furthermore than that, because they were bringing back the old ducks, right? Well, how do you bring back the old ducks without Bombay? Why would they even give a shit about coming, right? Like so my answer exactly. to that is – you got to bring Joshua Jackson back. You got to bring Charlie. Yeah. Right? Charlie sure. would make for sure the other ducks would come. So, um, and in my opinion, like you said, huge fans of, of Josh Dumel, but I think you need Charlie. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Well, I, I am excited that it's coming back, though. I'm also excited about this next one because I'm a huge fan of the movies. Me too. I think that it's it's probably my favorite on-screen live-action interpretation of Santa Claus. Honestly. To be honest. I mean, it's, it's just brilliant. I'm, of course, talking about the Santa Claus yes. <laughs> with Tim Allen. You guys know the films. You loved them. Well, guess what? Disney Plus is actually making a series about it. Yeah, that's right. What does he do when it's not Christmas? Well, we're going to find out. The Santa Claus series at Disney Plus has also brought on Elizabeth Mitchell, who you might remember uh, was his wife, Mrs. Claus. She's going to reprise that role. Tim, of course, again, is going to play Santa Claus, a.k.a. Scott Kelvin. Um, And get this. It's going to be set, okay? This is going to be really cool. Uh, he's about to approach his 65th birthday, okay? And he's realizing he can't be Santa forever, and he's kind of in like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Right. So he's got a family that really wants him to spend more time with them and, and live kind of in the normal world now, especially his two kids, which are now grown-ass adults. So <laughs> he sets out the whole, I guess, the whole premise of series and season one is he's going to set out to try to find an ample replacement to become Santa Claus. You would think it would be one of his kids. Right, you would but, think. But we don't know. So I'm excited about this, though. I think I, I love Tim Allen. I, I just I think he's great, and anytime he's bringing back, and this is one of my favorite characters, I'm pumped. Yeah, I think this was a very special like franchise of films, so I think it's going to be really special, especially it's going to hit that nostalgia nerve that a lot of kids like myself who grew up on these films and a lot of parents who grew up with the kids on these films are just really going to enjoy and really going to go back and watch, especially – bringing back Tim Allen. Oh, I doubt. think that's really special and I mean he needs something. He really does. Yeah, he Last Man something. Standing's gone. Yeah. It, it, you know, so and that ran a ton of years. It so did. I mean like, you know, he's always had a really good relationship with Fox and Disney. So yeah. I mean it only makes sense. It really does. It really does. Something else that is very interesting because I personally have never seen the films, so I was kind of curious to see how they're going to play this one out, but let's see. Let's see how they do. Um Disney hasn't failed us yet. So <laughs> Um, Disney Plus has handed a series order to 
Percy Jackson, and the Olympians. Now, the series will tell the fantasy uh, uh, cycle of story of a 12-year-old uh, modern demigod, Percy Jackson, who's just coming to terms with his newfound supernatural powers when the sky god Zeus accuses him of mm. stealing his master lightning bolt. Now, Percy must trek across America to find it and restore the order to Olympus. Production is set to start this summer with the casting currently underway, so I'm sure we'll be hearing all about those casting announcements soon. Yeah. But like I said, I never saw the movies. It was Logan Lerman that was the it star was of It was Logan Lerman, so, yeah. like, I'm very interested to see. I'll probably have to go back and watch those just to, like, prepare myself for this, just yep. to kind of get a concept. But, I mean, you know, like I said, Disney has not failed me yet. Unfortunately, though, they said this will tell the story of the 12-year-old Percy, right, meaning it's not, not like going to the... be an adult version, and I'm afraid that Logan has aged himself out. And that makes which sense. Which I, I love Logan Lerman. He's a fantastic actor, so I'm kind of bummed about that, but yeah. you know, hey. Um, It'd be cool to make like, a cameo. Yeah, he's, he, he's got things going. Yeah, he's, he's, fine. He's, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> hey, I'm excited about this because you guys know we're huge fans of both these shows. Well, I am of Big Sky. I don't think you've still watched Big Sky. I yet. haven't. I but haven't. A Million Little Things, awesome. Hoping Jason Ritter comes back. Well, yeah, right. We'll see. We'll see. But ABC has announced that the midseason premiere dates are set. And apparently A Million Little Things uh, is back with new episodes of its fourth season starting February 23rd. So pretty much right around the corner in a few weeks at 10 p.m. Eastern on ABC, as always. Big Sky is going to return with new episodes of its second season on February 24th at 10 p.m. So that same week, they're going to both premiere. And I am excited to find out what is going on. I love both shows. And like I said... Please bring back Jason Ritter. Okay. <laughs> it seems like both of those shows are doing really well for oh, yeah. ABC, especially like A Million Little Things. They're talking about that being like the ABC's version of This Is Us. Yeah. And they're saying Big Sky is something that they just haven't seen in a while. And I mean, it's just new murder mystery plot twist every which way. So I'm I'm happy to see this because, I mean, you guys know we're Team Disney, Team ABC. <laughs> but, you know, it's very exciting. There's a lot of good content out there, and we're excited to see what this next year brings. And ABC's freshman series, uh, Abot Elementary's uh, debut marks the network's first comedy premiere to quadruple ratings since the original airing. Uh, the show debuted back in December to earn a uh, 0.6 rating in the 18 to 49 key demographic and uh, 2.79 million viewers. However, after 35 days of viewing across ABC's linear and digital platforms, the series premiere shot up 300% in the demo for a 2.4 rating and the 7.1 million total viewers. The series topped its hour upon its debut and maintained its demo rating every single week since then. Now, since its premiere, about in elementary, has beaten FBI International and CBS's Our Kind Pe- Kind of People on uh, Fox's primetime. So that's very exciting. I mean, you know, you're always looking for a good comedy that you can watch with your family and friends. So that's yeah. awesome to see. Yeah, and and I mean, this show's like kicking it too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think both Big Sky and Abbott are like. Two big surprises for ABC that I didn't. I don't think people saw coming. Right. Um. This next one we've been talking about it. Right. Disney has kind of been leading the way with diversity and change. And, and by the way, if you haven't saw uh, seen Women of the Movement, uh, I mean 
you're missing out. You got to watch that series. It's great stuff. Um, ABC News is planning a wide array of special coverage in February devoted to Black History Month. Of course, February is Black History Month, uh, including two primetime specials and bespoke segments across the news division's various programs. In a statement, President of ABC News, Kim Goodwin, said, quote, while we remain dedicated to telling the impact and important stories around the black community all year long, ABC News will provide special coverage throughout February to salute black excellence. We will celebrate and honor black culture across all programs and platforms, taking an in-depth look at issues past and present while spotlighting those who have overcome significant obstacles and paved the way for a better future. Mm. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that. And I also just saw uh, Entertainment Weekly just released a specific like whole magazine about black filmmakers and their impact on the entertainment industry and the world on how that helps everything move forward. So that is something that everybody else needs to uh, keep up with and to keep moving forward with and to keep learning about. Because like we talked about before, uh, entertainment is the best form of education. Because, I mean, let's be honest about it. If you're not a science person, you hated science class. But when Bill (laughs) Nye came in, you were like, Fuck yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, some other exciting news over at ABC and FX. Uh, Adam Brody, Maximum Jasper Swinton, and Mira Mahoney Gross have all been cast in the upcoming FX limited series, uh, Fleshman is in Trouble. Now, the trio, trio joins previously announced cast members Jesse Eisenberg, Lizzie uh, Kaplan, and uh, Claire Danes mm. based on... Uh, Taffney, uh, Brodeser? What is that? Uh, Brodeser. Brodeser, Acre's novel of the same name. The series centers uh, are on a uh, recently separated 40-something Toby Fleshman, who's played by Eisenberg, Mm -hmm. who dives into a brave new world of at-base dating with a kind of (laughs) success he never had dating in his youth. Uh, before he got married at a tail end of a of medical school. But just at the start of his first summer of sexual freedom, his ex-wife, Rachel, who's played by Danes, disappears, leaving him with the kids and no hint of where she is or whether she even plans to come back. Oh. So this is very interesting. This uh-huh. is kind of like a um, – it kind of reminds me of only murderers in the building. So they're trying to figure out like where she's at and yeah. all this different stuff, but kind of have like that more drama, suspense undertone to it. Well, I, a couple of – I'm a huge fan of Adam Brody. I've always been a fan of Adam Brody, so I'm really excited about that. Um, And Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes is a very interesting couple. Agreed. Like, that is a a unique... I don't know. The two of them playing off of each other, I mean, I don't know how much we'll get to see that since she disappears, but I'm I'm down for that. I think that's going to (laughs) be really interesting. All right, we're jumping to the bunny. Warner Media, of course, which we don't know what it's going to be called. Warner Discovery, Warner Brothers Discovery, Discovery Warner Brothers. We don't know, but don't stick know. with Warner first because it's earned it. That's all I'm saying. Ivory Aquino, we are so excited about this. You might know her from Tales of the City, When We Rise, has been cast in the HBO Max feature film Batgirl, which, by the way, if you guys haven't been seeing the behind-the-scenes footage of that and the pictures and everything, so freaking excited about that movie. She's been cast as Alicia Yo, which, of course, if you're a comic book geek, you know is the best friend of of Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl. 
Batgirl, which of course is being played by Leslie Grace, which is also going to be amazing. Uh, Both Aquino and Yo are actual transgenders, making the first time a live-action feature film adaptation of any DC Comics character title will feature an openly trans character. Yo first appeared in a 2011 issue of Batgirl. Now, news of Aquino's casting apparently was leaked, so they had to announce it because Leslie Grace posted a photo seemingly from the set of the uh, film to her Instagram story tagging Aquino and captioning the shot, two women crossing the street with Barbara and Alicia. Oops! But, you know, there it is! (laughs) This is good, though. You know, we were just talking about Disney and making the push for diversity and and equality, and Warner Brothers has followed suit. They are doing an awesome job as well, and I am super excited about it. I think so, too. I think this is a great chance to show much more diversity in the superhero realm, and especially with this, um, because, I mean, everybody knows it's the uh, multiracial cast that has everybody's heads turned, and there was a lot of flack on that when it was first announced, but now I think everybody subsided and calmed down. Thank mm-hmm. goodness, because it was fucking stupid for you to be mad anyway. <laughs> but now to introduce the trans character, I think this is a great decision. Especially that's something that they're going above Marvel. They're breaking more ground than Marvel's doing in this capacity, I will say. So it's hap- it's good to see. It's really good to see. So the next one is very interesting, and everybody had questions about it. And I know I did, because this show's been on for a while. And the real question was, does Grant Gustin want to come back? Mm. That's the real freaking question. Well, the answer is yes, if the price is right. (laughs) And, I mean, you guys know the CW's flagship DC series, The Flash, is heading into its ninth season now. Star Grant Gustin is finalizing his new contract to return as the title character um, in the hit show uh, from Berlanti Productions. And Warner Brothers Television multi-year offer was on the table. But according to sources, the contract Gustin has agreed to is only for one year and it comes with a sizable raise for the actor whose salary is believed to be north of $200,000 per episode. Mm. It is also rumored that Gustin has capped his involvement at 15 episodes next season. The Flash resumes its eighth season on March 9th on the new night and moving to Wednesday at 8 p.m. That's the new one. So be sure to mark your calendar for that. And I mean, I was just so surprised by that number. (laughs) Well, okay. So here's the big thing. Anybody who's slow on math, uh, that would be $3 million for season nine. Uh, Congratulations, Grant. Um, My next thing is, is if they indeed now, and it seems likely CW is absolutely going to greenlight it for season nine if they signed, you know, Augustin. I think that was the holdout. Um, the question is, will it be a shortened season like they did with Arrow? Because remember, Amel also said, I can, I'm can. i only doing this many episodes, and they shorten the season. So I think with only 15 – you can't have Flash without Flash. Right. So if he's only willing to do 15 episodes, my guess is that it would be a, a, a shortened season. Um and, and, by the way, for anybody who's keeping track, this will surpass now Arrow, which ended on Season 8, to become the longest-running Arrowverse show on the CW. So, um, awesome. Yeah. You know, it's long been a favorite. I think everybody kind of, like, really, you know, transitioned out of Arrow and into Flash, and Flash did become the flagship. Um, but uh, I'm super excited, you know, for it, and I hope they end it properly. Really, the only way I can see... You know, if they don't shorten the season or even if they do shorten the season and then just kind of like do it right is 
Wally becoming Flash. Yeah. It seems like that's that's the move, right? Because that's what happens. Wally becomes Flash. Um, and I think that that would be really cool. Right. Uh, so we'll see. But congratulations, $3 million for 15 Exactly. When I mean, which it would make more sense because you would think this article would say the ninth and final season, but it's just saying the ninth well, season. Well, yeah, they so. offered a multi-year deal that he turned down. So they clearly want it to go past season nine. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Very interesting, man. Very freaking interesting. This next one I'm super excited about because I love the film that was released during COVID, HBO Max, all that good stuff. Uh, <laughs> the Mortal Kombat. The sequel is now in the works at Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema. Jeremy Slater, best known for his Disney Plus Marvel Marvel series Moon Knight, has mm. been tapped to write the screenplay. Warner Brothers and New Line had quietly been looking to develop other installments of in its Mortal Kombat universe, but plans for a follow-up film and has not officially um, been announced until Slater had been hired to pin the script. Makes so, sense. I mean, you know, they wanted to make sure before they made the official <laughs> announcement. Uh, the first Mortal Kombat movie martial arts inspired adaptation of the popular video game i'm I'm sure everyone knows opened in theaters and on hbo max in april last april Uh, despite mixed reviews the rated r movie is still managed to generate a solid ticket sales at the time when most people were largely steering clear of their local cinema it earned 42 million domestically which is very good in COVID times. Oh yeah, and um, eighty-three million worldwide. And like I said, I really enjoyed this thing. If you're not looking for like a crazy story and just like an action-packed movie with like different type of Mortal Kombat things, this is the one. And I mean, they they reference so many like of the one-liners from the game. So I thought that's what made it really special. Oh yeah, and and, and look, it makes sense. Like like we were talking about that number. While it seems low, if you're not a Marvel movie. That's yeah. a massive number. For I sure. mean, you know, not everybody can be Marvel movies, so that that was successful. Clearly made uh, Warner Brothers money, and good for them that they're moving forward with it. Exactly. All right, jump into Viacom CBS, the I as they're known. Right. Are you excited? I am super excited about this, guys, because if you're a huge fan of The Office or either one of these guys, you're gonna be pumped. Apparently, the rumors are mm-hmm. true. Steve Carell and John Kerensky are are. Reteaming, They are coming back together, guys, to reunite on screen for the first time since The Office in Paramount's new family movie, If. Now, Krasinski will write, direct, and star in the film, along with Carell, though, as if that wasn't big enough already. Along with Carell, Ryan Reynolds, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and Fiona Shaw, and Louis Gossett Jr., and Alan Kim, and Kelly Fleming have all also been added to the call sheet. Massive cast. That's insane. You did not hear any of that wrong. Ryan Reynolds, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, John Krasinski, and Stephen Carell. What the fuck? That's insane. That's going to be insane. The film is scheduled to be released November 17th of next year, just before the Thanksgiving holiday, and I'm betting that's going to make some money. Oh, I'm just going to go out on that. Of course, details are under wraps. We don't know what the hell it's about, but it's going to be awesome no matter what. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I remember seeing this because we were watching GMA, and I think that's where we first saw the story break. But we were like, we have to put that in the show. I mean, that (laughs) type of cast. And I mean, with John Krasinski being the mastermind writer that he is right now, I felt like it was just absolutely necessary. And I wonder if there's a draft of it yet. Because remember, we were talking about this. Ryan Reynolds had walked away. He said he was taking a break from acting. So it must be damn good to breathe. 
bringing him back. I don't know, but we'll see. Exactly. I'm so super pumped about it, man. But after three seasons of playing freaking Agent Jess Lukerix, uh Julian McKinnon is leaving CBS's uh, FBI Most Wanted. Mm. The star of FBI spinoff, produced by Dick Wolf, is scheduled to film his final episode of this week uh, with the installment to air on March 8th. But Dylan McDermott, who has been a recurring uh, star on NBC's Law & Order Organized Crime, will succeed McKinn. Uh, McDermott is slated to make his FBI Most Wanted debut on episode 17 of the current third season airing in April. There are no details about his role yet, but he will portray a whole new character. So that's super exciting because I know the FBI franchise is super popular right now, especially in height of the Dick World, the Dick Wolf World. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know. I mean, so a couple of things there. I'm a huge Julian McMahon fan, but this doesn't really surprise me because Julian McMahon doesn't really stick around on things for very long. He's not that kind of guy. Not since Nip Tuck. He played out the full thing in Nip Tuck, but I mean, everything since then, he's kind of just like short term go. Um, because he's, you know, he's, he's got a lot of creative free. He wants to do different things and that's fine. Uh, the other thing is Dylan McDermott. I'm thoroughly enjoying his character on, uh, organized crime. So yeah. I'm kind of bummed. That's I'm guessing this means Stabler's going to kill his ass. Yeah. Um, or, or he's going back to prison. I'm hoping for the first that Stabler kills his ass. Uh, if you're going to get rid of him, get rid of him. That's all I'm saying. But I like McDermott too. I, I think that's going to be really good. Um, Okay, this is no surprise either. You guys know CBS dominates comedy. They have the top comedies and the most watched shows on television and have for many, 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 many years. Well, they still do. And for a second year in a row, CBS is starting off the bulk renewals with nods to its Monday comedies, The Neighborhood and Bob Hart Abishola. This time around, the established duo, renewed for seasons five and four respectively, are joined by red-hot comedy newcomer Ghosts, which I haven't watched yet, but I hear it's freaking phenomenal. I've got to jump on this because apparently it's really fucking good. They've all received an early, uh, that one received an early second season renewal. Now, with young Sheldon in year one of its three season pickup, because remember they announced that earlier, CBS has secured its top four comedy series, which are also the four most, like I said, watched comedy series on broadcast tv for next season they're wrapped up good to go you don't have to worry they're not going anywhere exactly which is very interesting too because i mean young sheldon i and from day-to-day life i've heard a lot of mixed reviews about i personally have never watched it maybe i should i don't know but i mean you know you know like i said i'm kind of surprised to see it go as far as it has yeah well guess what I saw uh, Ming-Na is, is going to be on it. I guess she's going to play a principal or a teacher, so I'm in, at least for that episode. Like, Ming, come on and talk about it. Exactly. On, Ming, exactly. there's so much to talk to you about, Ming. Uh, Just come on. So good, so good. Well, you guys know Viacom CBS has been talking about plans to rebrand. Well, they were like, put the brakes on it because um, Paramount Network, uh, which has been the home to Kevin Costner's fronted uh, hit series, Yellowstone. That little show. That little tiny one, which we did jump on the bandwagon during the break. And we absolutely love it. Don't make me get a rip on you. Fucking Oh, my God. That show so and good. 1883, if you're not watching it, you fucking need to watch it. Yeah. They are epic. Do it. 
Exactly, man. Exactly. You guys know uh, the original strategy was to turn Paramount Network into Paramount Movie Network, which uh, would air 52 original movies a, a year with one miniseries or two scripted series airing per quarter. Well, sources say that the company has put the plans, which first emerged in September of 2020, on hold in part due to COVID-19 and which had a major impact on the production of these things. But they didn't want like any of that distraction to take away from Yellowstone because yeah. that thing is like their breadwinner right now. So they were like, let's just make sure people watch Yellowstone. That's yeah, that, it. I mean, seriously, that's it. And inside sources said that mm. too played a reason other than just the COVID. They, don't, they didn't want people to think that Yellowstone would no longer be on there if they branded it as a movie network. Yeah. Like, Makes sense. I mean, you know, but I wonder if uh, Kevin Costner's and, – and the only reason we're not, like, giving this full story is because we don't know what studio's getting him yet. But he's going to get back behind the camera and direct his first film in God knows how long, yeah, like right. 30 years. And it's a Western yeah. <laughs> being shot in Utah. I, I, I'm i going to bet Paramount's going to want that. Oh, I'm yeah. just, you know, if I was a betting man. Um, All right. Jumping to NBC Universal, and we'll keep you updated on that Kevin Costner story. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jumping to NBC Universal, this is exciting news. The Rock said no, but someone else said yes yeah, to Vin's exactly. call. <laughs> and that someone else is also in the DC Universe. It's Jason Momoa, a.k.a. Aquaman himself. He is apparently set to star as a villain opposite Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto at the Fast and Furious crew in the upcoming 10th installment, yes, I said 10th installment, of the High Octane franchise. Now, the team officially welcomed Momoa into the crew via social media late Friday with a post caption, The Fast Fam Keeps Getting Bigger. Now, this one, of course, is going to be directed by Justin Lin. The film is tentatively titled Fast and Furious 10, duh, with the entire crew expected to return, including Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, Sung Kang, and Charlize Theron, who's villainous cypher has loomed over the franchise since 2017's the fast and furious now that's interesting because is momoa going to be teaming with her is right. that she like like is he a separate villain like what is it we don't know because as usual it's under wraps mm-hmm. but it is set to premiere next year and we're excited and um I'm down for Momoa going up against Vin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> to compare it to things, to compare it to things, the Fast and Furious franchise has welcomed in a whole shit ton of stars. They're oh, com- yeah. I mean, I compare it to what Marvel's doing right now, welcoming in a whole shit ton of stars. But like we've talked about before, what happened to the little guy? What happened into introducing the newcomers? We right? missed that. I we mean- missed that. But rumor has it this should be the last one, like we said, should be the last one of the Fast Fast and Furious franchise, so we shall see. But, I mean, I feel like Jason Momoa will make a great addition to this franchise. I agree. And maybe they'll spin him off like they spun the rock off. Yeah, exactly, I mean, maybe, exactly. You know. Which it's interesting, too, because him saying he doesn't want to come back for any of the more of those movies, is Hobbs and Shaw even a thing anymore? I think it is. That yeah, the, the, They want to continue Hobbs and Shaw movies. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe, let's just be honest about it. He doesn't want to work with Vin It's anymore. Vin. He, he yeah. loves the franchise. He loves all the things, but he just doesn't want to work with Vin. So. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep Hobbs and Shaw going. <laughs> exactly. The only reason Marvel keeps Vin around is because all he has to say is, I am Groot. That's it. And this is it, Guardians of the Galaxy. The third is definitively the end. James Gunn has said that is the last you will ever see of this team. Uh, 
So who knows what's going with Vin? If the if Fast and Furious dies and Guardians dies, something. Who knows what's going to happen with that man? Who knows? But <laughs> maybe yeah. Rock will put him in a movie. Maybe, oh! probably not. <laughs> oh man! But listen, guys. Spoiler alert: A new feature led by Jim Parsons from Focus Fixtures has added four stars to its ensemble cast. And Tony Pawlowski uh, from Netflix's Queer Eye, yep. Tony Award winner Nikki M. James yes! from The Book of Mormon. Love Nikki. Uh, Jeffrey Self uh, from Search Party and Bill Irwin from uh, Rachel Getting Married have all joined the project directed by Michael uh, Showalter. The actor, the actor has joined the previous hitting outs, uh, Parsons, Ben Aldridge, and Sally Fields. Yes, love um, Sally. Lover. And having just wrapped uh, Principal Photography in New York, the film is based on Michael Asalo's best-selling memoir, Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies. <laughs> A memoir of love, lost, and love, loss, and other four-letter words. Now it charts the emotionally torment of 11-month journey of Asalo's former partner Kit. From diagnosis of terminal cancer to his death, now interwoven in the narrative of glimpses of the roller coaster ride that was the couple's 14 year romance. Yeah. Damn, this sounds like a very serious film that might have the sprinkles of Oscar buzz. I think so. I think so. I'm a huge fan of Michael Osiello. If you guys don't know, he's like the, uh, for the longest time, TV guide, but now TV line. Um, he just, adores Lauren Graham so I, if you're a Lauren Graham fan you know who Michael you know. Osiello is you know. um, but he's your go-to guy for any kind of like spoilers or any which I which by way I love the the name of the movie spoiler alert because that's just totally him um but yeah this is going to be you know I, I don't think a lot of people knew about his relationship or the tragic ending to it yeah. and um Parsons is the guy to do it Jim Parsons obviously if you haven't seen his dramatic stuff Holy shit. Jim yeah. Parsons is a phenomenal dramatic actor. And you throw in fucking Sally Field and Nikki James. Oh, my gosh, guys. You got, you know who Nikki is from uh, from The Good Wife and The Good Fight and Broadway and uh, Proven Innocent and just a ton of stuff. Um, It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be really good. I'm excited to see it. Agreed. Um, Let's see. Are you a Pitch Perfect fan? You know you are. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you are. Well, guess what? It's getting a series, which is going to be really exciting. We kind of mentioned that before, but we're telling you again in case you forgot. And now we know that Flula Borg is returning to the world of Pitch Perfect. The German actor and comedian has signed on for a role in the Peacock series, which is, like we said, a continuation of the film franchise. Borg will star alongside previously announced series lead Adam Devine, of course. Yeah. Borg will reprise the role of... Pieter Kramer from Pitch Perfect 2. Now, Pieter has transitioned from a German a cappella star to a discredited music manager. He signs Bumper Allen, which is, of course, Davine, and is his only client and brings him to Berlin to pursue his dreams after one of his songs becomes a hit in Germany. Is this a knock on the Hoff? Right. I feel like this is a knock on David Hasselhoff, but hey. Peacock has given a straight-to-series order. Uh, oh, no. That's a different story. But I'm... <laughs> Moving on. Oh, man. But yeah, Peacock has given a straight-to-series order to TV's adaptation, Ryan Porat's comic book, Dead Day. Mm. The series comes from Julie Pleck and Kevin Williamson. The pair will serve as co-showrunners and writers on the series. Dead Day follows an ensemble of characters as they navigate the annual Dead Day when one of the night 
are when for one night the dead come back to complete unfinished business and be that to celebrate a night back on earth or torment the living. That oh. sounds very interesting. It does. I think I would just come back to celebrate another night on earth. Right. I wouldn't torment anybody. No. But hey, each their own, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Hey, guess what though? Peacock isn't renewing or giving orders to everything. Apparently, they're uh, getting rid of some stuff too. Peacock has opted not to renew Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol for a second season. You guys know the series, which will continue to be available on Peacock, however, originated on NBC uh, in 2020. The project ultimately moved to the sibling NBC Universal streamer Peacock with a 10 episode series order and launched in September, with the finale was which back in November. Um, that's it. You remember this. It's the sequel to The Da Vinci Code and, uh, you know, had a lot of buzz and a lot of – but apparently nobody watched. All that good stuff, man. So. All that good stuff. <laughs> nobody watched. Uh, I mean, you know. Sony, Sony Pictures has acquired the global rights to Rosalind Ross's feature directorial debut, Father Stew, starring and produced Oscar nominee Mark Wahlberg, yeah. written by Ross. The film follows the true life story of boxer-turned-priest. Now, Father Start Long, uh, whose journey was uh, from self-destruction to redemption, inspired by countless people along the way. Sony has set a theatrical release for this film of Father Stew for Good Friday, April 15th. Now, this one sounds very interesting, and we'll definitely be watching this I one. I mean, look, remember when Wahlberg played a boxer before? was a huge hit. It was. Saying, one I'm, of my favorite movies. Yeah, absolutely. I think that him playing a boxer turned priest probably going to do pretty well at the box yeah. office if i had to guess hey do you have the power i bet you do the power of grayskull well i know who does because guess what netflix has finally cast him their upcoming live action feature film adaptation of masters of the universe has finally found he-man yay and who's it going to be rising actor kyle allen of mm. course he's going to take up the sword and the skimpy costume oh Oh. Does it have to be a skimpy costume? Right. We have, can we <laughs> update that, please? Do Don't have, have a fucking free. Put some pants on him. Oh, shit. They're putting pants on right. him. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the 80s iconic film is going to be directed and co-written by the Knee Brothers. Now, in Masters of the Universe, Alan will, of course, play an orphan named Adam who discovers he is a prince destined to be the savior of a faraway land. He must quickly learn of his power and the importance of saving his true home from an evil force. Skeletor. Uh, previously, at Sony Pictures, the project was officially announced by Netflix after months of further development. Mm. That is fucking awesome. Will we see She-Ra? Right. That's the real question. Because Adam is a twin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fucking nerd. It's fine. Yeah, it's knows. okay. It's he not. It's fine. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. But, yeah, I mean, it's going over really well, and it looks like Netflix and Sony have that real tight relationship. Of so, passing I mean, stuff off. Yeah, exactly. Sony doesn't have a streamer. Yeah, you know. you know. I like guess the they only, do. It's Netflix. It literally. <laughs> literally. Well, Netflix has released the first trailer for Murderville, and it's a new crime comedy series that stars Will Arnett, uh, Arn uh, and he's going to star as Terry Seattle, a senior homicide detective who's paired with a different celebrity guest star to solve a murder case every single episode. 
The show's twist is that the guest stars aren't given a script, forcing them to improvise their way through the case and ultimately guess who the killer is at the end of the episode. The trailer shows Arnett Seattle uh, interacting with his guest stars, coaching them along the new developments in an absurd case uh, reveals themselves. Uh, the six-episode first season of Murderville will stream on Netflix starting February 3rd, so mark your calendars. In addition to Arnett, uh, Heneva Wood, uh, Lillian Bowen, and uh, Philip Smithy around out the main cast of season one's guest stars consist of Nanji Arnie Murphy, uh, Conan O'Baron, uh, Ken Jeong, and not Ken Jeong Un, um, no. and Marshawn Lynch. That one's going to be funny. And Sharon Stone. And, I mean, Conan O'Brien improvising. Yeah, that's going to be great. That's going to be fucking hilarious. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. Hey, Lee Daniels. You might have heard of that. <laughs> might have heard of him. He's got a couple of things out there that you might <laughs> Netflix has apparently emerged victorious in a bidding war for his next movie. Several Hollywood players, including MGM and Miramax, were vying for the rights to the Oscar-nominated director's upcoming project. But Netflix apparently ponied up $65 million to secure the sale. The movie reunites Daniels and Andre Day, who uh, recently worked together on Hulu's musical my biographical drama The United States vs. Billie Holiday. Uh, Day will star alongside a buzzy cast hat that includes Glenn Close, Octavia Spencer, Rob Morgan, Caleb McLaughlin, and King Richard Breakout, Anui Ellis. Uh. In addition to directing, Daniels is writing the screenplay, and David Cogshell and Elijah Byram are co-writing with him. The film does not have a title or an official logline yet, but it will be based on a true horror story. Now, Day will reportedly play an Indiana mother who believes her child has become demonically possessed. McLaughlin is expected to play Day's character's son, and Morgan is portraying Day's love interest. Spencer has been cast as a clergy member who attempts to help the family work through the paranormal activity and eventual exorcism. Wait, Octavia Spencer is going to do an exorcism. Right. I'm I'm totally in on this. This one's expected to begin production sometime later this year. I'm all in on Octavia Spencer doing an exorcism. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And being from Indiana, all parents think their children are demonically (laughs) obsessed. Like, it's so fucking hilarious. Oh, man. But Netflix is doing some big things. I mean, of course, they have that partnership with Adam Sandler. So they are putting out another one. And this one has Jennifer Aniston a part of it and get embroiled in another international caper for murder mystery 2 so this is going to be a sequel to the first one the yep. netflix sequel has rounded out its ensemble cast uh, mark strong malini laurent uh, jody turner smith hmm. kahu verma and enrique arce uh, Tony Goldwyn, Ar- Army uh, Monroe, and so many others have signed on <laughs> for the second installment. Murder Mystery 2 will be directed by Jeremy Gar- uh, Garlic um, from the script of James Vanderbilt uh, with revisions by Garlic. Uh, Sandler and Aniston will produce the project under their each respective banners. So mm. I love that. I love how that's a big thing now. If you're self-made in the entertainment industry, 
industry, you're basically a producing partner on anything you get involved oh, yeah. in. So oh, yeah. I think that's just kind of a given, and I love to see it, to be honest with you. Oh, me too. And I mean, anytime that Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler get together, it works. Yeah. You know, whether you like Netflix movies, whether you don't, like whatever, whenever they get together, it works. Yep. So I think it's going to be pretty good. Um, And isn't it also amazing that like no matter how long the hiatus was, aren't you glad that when we come back, J-Lo still can't say names? <sighs> See, I'm going to throw that because I know I'm getting an old joke coming up on this story, and it's fine. <laughs> Netflix is upcoming. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the direct sequel to the 1974 1974- I was around. Of the chain, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is paying service to the fans of the original by bringing back John Larroquette himself to narrate the opening of the film. Now, if you guys remember, like me, Larroquette's legendary news brief at the start of the original film in 1974 was meant to scare audiences by grounding the film in true crime in reality. The plot was loosely based on the crimes of murderer Ed Ginn. The horror classic was Laura Kett's first film appearance before garnering huge fame in the series such as Night Court, the John Lara Kett show in Boston Legal. And as you guys also know, this is going to be huge because Lara Kett is set to return to his Night Court role of Dan coming up. So that's going to be super excited. And yes, I remember the opening in the 1974 exactly. film. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> I was a wee one, but I still remember it. I, fun fact, I've never seen any, any of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Really? Any of them. Oh, well, now that you know that John Larroquette is going to, and this is a direct sequel because the other ones were not very Yeah, good. I so, know they don't land. Yeah, yeah, so they're like forgetting all the other ones, and this will be the direct sequel. Why, did, why did that happen so often? I, why? Yeah. Like, have you noticed that? I mean, kind of those in-between ones. Let's not talk about those. Yeah, that, they, they didn't happen. This yeah. is the direct sequel well, now. I, I, I went and saw Scream, and you guys know how Scream loves to play with that fourth wall, and they were literally saying, they haven't made another one as good since the first one. No, it's, it's yeah. just fucking hilarious. And they do do that a lot. It's true. I know. It's so funny. It's so funny. This is an epic one. I'm so excited because Captain America and Black Adam are getting together. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Amazon has put these two together, a.k.a. Chris Evans and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, in an upcoming holiday event film for Amazon Studios. A Christmas movie. A Christmas movie. The film, which is currently titled Red One, <laughs> aims to shoot this year. Red One is the first film that the pair will top line together. It is a, a globe-trotting, four-quadrant action-adventure comedy <laughs> imagining a whole new universe to explore within the holiday genre Ooh. plot specifics are being kept under wraps the project stems from an original stories by seven bucks production and president of production uh hiram garcia from amazon studios landed after a competitive bidding war last year uh jake cadstan from the jumanji franchise you guys know the rock has a very tight relationship with that guy mm-hmm. is directing from the screenplay by seven bucks production frequent collaborator collaborator with uh chris morgan so 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 many exciting things happening and that's what i'm saying amazon is like apple they are that one that's kind of like off to the side just doing their own thing that is still great to see and spending money oh yeah because i'm imagining that Dwayne, you know the rock johnson and chris evans probably probably was a little more than 65 million dollars they asked for a little bit uh, yeah. They asked for a tiny bit. I mean, you know, 
But yeah. apparently The Rock said yes to Chris. Yeah. And or Chris said yes to The Rock. Exactly. Either or, but it's going to be epic. Uh, I just, The Red One, is that going to be Chris Evans or right. is it going to be The Rock? Exactly. Is The Rock going to be Santa? Right. Is The Rock going to be Santa? Because I'm all in on that. Uh, jump into Apple. The other one with Bukoodles of Money. Cooper Rafe's Cha-Cha Real Smooth is officially dancing into Apple TV music. I can't cha-cha. I'd love to learn how to cha-cha, but apparently I can't. The tech giant has nabbed the second feature from the heat-seeking director out of this year's virtual edition of the Sundance Film Festival. Apple emerged victorious from a competitive bidding war. Is everybody a competitive? It's everything's a competitive bidding war. Of course. War. That's how it is. Uh, apparently Amazon and Sony Pictures wanted it, but no. Uh, the deal was brokered by ICM Partners, WME, and Endeavor Content. Wow, so all the big um, talent agents. Yeah. Uh, so it must have been a package deal. I see. Okay, cha-cha real smooth stars Rafe as a recent graduate working as a bar mitzvah hype man. While on the job, he strikes up a unique friendship with a young mother, Dakota Johnson. I'm in. I love Dakota. That's going to be fantastic. And her teenage daughter, Vin, played by... I can't say names. Vanessa Bugardi. Vanessa Bugardi. Vanessa Bugardi. There it is. Uh, <laughs> Leslie Mann. All right. We love Leslie Mann. Ivana Sante, Raul Castillo, and Odea Rush fill out the ensemble. That is going to be a great cast. That really is, I mean, man. I'm just woo. saying. Like, I love how Apple's doing this thing where they they don't care about competing. They don't care about timelines. They don't care about any of that stuff. They're just – they all they care about is good content. And everything that I've watched so far has been great. And Apple TV Plus is definitely worth it. I just started uh, The Shrink Next Door with um, Sexiest Man Alive there. Paul Rudd. Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, and uh, Will Ferrell. And the first episode was amazing. So, I mean, check it out. And and kudos to Apple because they, they are serious about great content even when it's about a commercial. Exactly. I, they that have John well, yeah, the, probably the single best commercial I have seen in a very long time, possibly ever. And the fact that they used John Hamm, who is famous for Mad Men, which was an advertising firm doing com- – fucking brilliant. So good. And man. he points out the fact, like J.Lo said, that, that everybody is on a hit Apple series. Except John Ham. Except John Ham. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. If you guys haven't seen it, how? First of all, how haven't you seen it? But it's fucking brilliant. Exactly, man. Exactly. Well, that rounds out our industry news, guys. And we know you're excited for us to be back. And we were so excited to be back to talk about the things we love yes. and to help you guys. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But now it's time for the top five Woo! segment, and we're super excited about this one because him and I are both huge into sports. Huge yes. into sports memorabilia, and this week it is top five historical sports events with i mean just so many different things a lot of my stuff i grew up on a lot of 30 for 30s and documentaries so a lot of my stuff is going back to the past that he lived through and a lot of his stuff (laughs) is the stuff he just lived through so i mean it's super great i didn't i didn't have to watch him on 30 because i i watched them when it happened he was there (laughs) well hey the first one my number five the one that i did list that i was actually alive for and that i remember the news reporting on the next morning was the Malice in the Palace, mm. the Pacers versus the Detroit Pistons, Ron Artest versus Ben Wallace, or Ron Artest versus fucking Detroit. <laughs> like, I mean, that was an absolutely crazy thing. I'm sure everybody has seen the Netflix show that just came out or about it, and it's it's actually just an episode about it, about um, just the, all the events that happened and how... 
it basically derailed their season because that was basically Reggie Miller's last season and he had never won a championship before and because of all that drama because of that incident it just they didn't go that could have been their year that really was their year but it was just something that Emotions get the best of you sometimes, and that happens, and you learn from it, and they all hate to talk about it now because they're all embarrassed about it, which is a good thing because it was definitely one of those things where you're like, what the fuck were they thinking? Because Ron Artest laying down on the announcer's table and then going up into the crowd and like yep. beating people up and just all this different stuff. But yeah, I mean it was a very dramatic incident and probably the most – Notable and the hugest like all-out brawl in any sports game ever. So, I mean, that's why I had to mention it, and especially with me being Indiana and remembering it so not fondly. <laughs> um, just one of those things. But, yeah, number five for me, Malice in the Palace. Yeah, it was intense. Okay, so I have a little theme between my number five and my number one. And it's the Olympics, and it's 1980, and the rare time when the summer and the of winter Olympics. Of course it's the 80s. Of course it's the 80s, baby. Uh, but it's the, you know one of those rare times because it doesn't happen very often where the winter and the summer Olympics are played in the same year because it does happen every so often. Um, my number five is the 1980 Summer Olympics boycott. Mm. Now, this was huge because, I mean, you know, this is where you make or break your life as a career athlete, right, is the Olympics. It's the it's the, it's the gold standard of where, where you where you go right so the fact that we boycotted was a massive deal now this was led by the united states 65 countries mm. stayed home that year to protest the olympics following the soviet union yes russia and that's another part of the theme uh following <laughs> their uh invasion into afghanistan in 1979 i mean that's a huge 65 countries guys do you know how many athletes that is that did not not participate in the Olympics. That was massive. Um, Jimmy Carter led it. He 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 thought that you know he announced that the United States would boycott and not attend. And back then, people respected the United States and they followed suit. And hence, fifty plus other countries decided yeah. to stay home mm-hmm. as well. Um, hugely memorable, guys. I mean, and it sent a strong statement to the Soviet Union that that's unacceptable. And then we all know what happened after that. Reagan came and Soviet Union fell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, but there's a reason, you know, it partly that, partly my number one, partly Reagan. But we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get there. We'll get there. My number four, it, I mean, my first two are kind of like depressing and kind of like not good right? for sports. Like, um, but I mean, there's such historical moments that everybody still talks about. And I mean, it all goes back to Indiana. Fucking Indiana. Um, <laughs> Detroit Bad Boys walking out uh, 1991 at the end of the uh, game against the Bulls, against Michael Jordan. And it basically ended the Detroit Bad Boys era. Mm-hmm. I mean, they dominated the late 80s into the early 90s. But after that, the Bulls just completely took over. But I put this on there because there's a lot of different opinions and who actually like led the walkout and all these different things let's be honest about it it was isaiah thomas he's the one that led that shit and i i say that because i it's obvious and it was obvious in the detroit bad boys documentary he'll all deny it all day long but he is an indiana boy he came from iu so that's why i had to put that on there but it's just one of those things where in the 80s and early 90s 
basketball was very physical. Basketball was compared to football because they were throwing elbows if you're down in the paint. Like, there's full-on brawls without people getting ejected. And, I mean, the Detroit Bad Boys are kind of, like, in the middle of all that because they were the worst ones. They implemented the Jordan rules. Yeah. The Jordan rules. Literally, every time Jordan enters the paint, beat the shit out of him. Yeah. That's exactly what it was, and that's exactly what they did. Bill Lambeer. Yeah. Bill Lambeer was a big-ass, bulky, white boy motherfucker who would elbow the shit out of Jordan in the face every time he would try to come into the paint. It... (laughs) It was fucking intense. It was man. very intense. It was intense. And I mean, he, yeah, it was just such a crazy event that that's why I had to put it on there for my number four, the end of an era, the Detroit Bad Boys walkout. Yeah. And, and you know, in that, like you said, that era, the 80s and 90s, basketball was it. That yeah. was, they, it was huge, which hence goes to my number four and the Olympics making the decision to allow for the first time ever pro basketball players to be in the Olympics. You had to be an amateur athlete prior to that. But they allowed the decision to allow pro athletes, NBA players, to make the team. So Team USA suited up. And holy shit, they were instantly known as the dream team. I Literally. mean, you know, fucking Magic Johnson and, and, and Michael Jordan. Take every great possible player you've ever heard of. They were on the fucking dream team. And they were coached by the dream coach. And they annihilated people. Like, everybody... like. It's still going on. You can still have pros play now. But it was questioned at first because, you know, all these pro players or amateur players from all across the world, no chance against the NBA players. They were dominating. They were winning their games by 40 or more points. Yeah. Every game. Like, it was just – it was not even funny. It was not even close. Um, it, it, <laughs> It was not the dream team. They've gone on to have subsequent dream teams. Yeah. I don't think any of them actually lived up to the first dream team. No. Or saw the performance domination of the first dream team. But it was pretty epic. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and uh, and it forever changed uh, the Olympics. So, huge. Agree, Number four, man. the formation of the dream team. Oh, so good. So good. Number three for me was the infamous flu game where michael jordan came down with a flu and still fucking beat that ass with (laughs) i mean the 97 bulls and of course they won that year and they beat the jazz and he scored 38 points with the flu with the flu could barely stand at the end of the game go back and on youtube and watch this shit man it's so inspiring this man just had the drive to be the best he like I mean, he motivated everybody. He motivated everybody to finish every sprint strong, to shoot every shot a hundred times, and like all these different things. This is why, like, he will always be the greatest player ever. I mean, I know LeBron is getting up there and he's got like all the accolades, but like, as a true leader like that, there's no one ever going to be better than Michael Jordan. So that's why, I mean, the flu game, one of his most famous games. So that's why I had to put that on there. Number three for me, like I said. The flu game. Absolutely. The GOAT, man. I mean, and forever will be the GOAT of basketball, in my opinion, as well. Um, okay. So, yeah, you talk about going to YouTube and watching a video that you will laugh your fucking ass off because this may be the funniest knockdown in, in, in knockout in boxing history that I have ever seen in my life. It's literally a knockout with three knockdowns, with one punch. That's Shit it. you not. One punch, three knockdowns. <laughs> 
rounds in a knockout. I'm, of course, talking about that day when I was a young 16-year-old guy watching Mike Tyson, Iron Mike, at that point still Iron fucking Mike and the GOAT of ever boxing, become the youngest heavyweight champion in history at just 20 years old. Mm. It took him a mere five minutes. That's right. First round, two minutes into the second round, to knock the fuck out of Trevor Berbick to become the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. Now, I shit you not. He fucking cold cocks him. This motherfucker bounces back where it hits the ground. Starts to get up, falls down again. Starts to get up, falls down again. And Mills Lane's like, that's it! That's it! Like, like literally fell down three fucking times. Eyes, back of his head. That motherfucker was out, but still trying. Like, one of the greatest punches and falls I have ever seen in my life to become the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. Customado still there. All before all the shit. Before Don got his hands into him. Before all the fucking shit. Legendary Mike, twenty years old, fucking taking it to him, becoming the most feared and and you know revered boxer in boxing history. Um, I unfortunately, you know, that was a great day for me. I was a huge Mike Tyson fan. Um, unfortunately, it didn't end the way he wanted it to. Undefeated and beating Rocky Marciano's record because fucking Don King, but, um, you know, it is what it is, he's kind of, he's seen some redemption, he's kind of turned his life around and got it back straight and everything, and, um, you know, he's paid his dues, and I'm happy for that, but still, in my opinion, the greatest fighter of all time, I think he would have eclipsed Muhammad Ali, I think he would have retired undefeated had he not gotten all mixed up with all the wrong people, and um, just a brilliant fucking fighter, man, and that was, like, my number three, so fucking great to watch. And, again, watch it on YouTube. It's funny <laughs> as fucking shit. I feel sorry for Trevor Berbick because yeah. it's fucking embarrassing as shit. I mean, but, you know. It's the life you live, man, when you're a boxer. <laughs> and yeah. you fight Mike Tyson. Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. Number two for me is probably one of the most famous pictures that you will ever see. It goes down in the history books. And that is the Black Power salute in the 1968 mm. Olympics in Mexico. John Carlos and Tommy Smith. I mean, it was the in the middle of the civil rights era. Everybody's fighting for equal rights and voting rights and all these different things. So, I mean, it was just very, very important and very, like, instrumental in helping our country move forward. And doing that on probably, at that time, the biggest platform you could ever do it is something really special for them and the culture and everything that they stood for. So that's why I had to put it on there. It's something that was so amazing for everybody. So yes, the Black Power Salute at the 1968 Olympics. I know you don't remember that one because you're not that old. I'm not that old, no. But I do remember hearing about it in this historical event and, and the significance of why it played out and what happened, and it's a good choice for you to have on the list. Agreed. Um, okay, so now I'm going to talk about the single most famous University of Michigan athlete in the history of University of Michigan athletes. Athletes. And you would think that I was talking about the GOAT, Mr. Tom Brady, who announced his retirement today, which honorable mention for honorable a significant uh, sporting event. But I'm not because he's not the most famous University of Michigan athlete. You know who is? My man in my number two spot, Michael Phelps, the single most decorated athlete in any sport in the history of sports ever. I'm talking about the man himself, Michael Phelps, swimmer extraordinaire, uh, who won eight Ladies and gentlemen, eight gold medals in the Beijing Olympics in 2008. That's right. One Olympics, he won eight fucking gold medals. <laughs> that surpassed uh, Mark Spitz, who used to be the most decorated swimmer. Uh, he beat him by one. Mark Spitz had seven. Thought that was never going to be broken. Well, Phelps got eight. 
beat that shit, and then went on in his career to end with 14 gold medals, a shit ton of silvers behind that, to become the all-time single most decorated athlete in history. Um, It's fucking phenomenal. It is. I mean, anybody who can achieve that much success, and when he did it, everybody thought he was too old to do it. And then he came back and won some more after that, but... It's got to be one of the most um, electrifying, inspiring uh, events to watch uh, him accomplish and do. It was just it, – it's amazing. I mean I don't – I think it's going to be a long time before we see anybody accumulate, if we ever do again, that type of success or that many medals in the Olympic sports. It's just unphenomenal. Agreed. And go blue. Yes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Number one for me goes to 8.9 seconds. Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks back in 1995. Game one of the semifinals of the NBA playoffs. Man, oh man. I know this was a huge history moment. Nobody's ever done anything like this ever again. But, I mean, just when you shoot it, steal it, shoot it again, steal it, shoot it again. It's just an absolute amazing thing. I just... Reggie Miller, like that man, uh, will always be an instrumental part of my life with everything that he's done. And then with him and I having that conversation on uh, Instagram Live, and then tell me I'm going to be the next Spielberg. So, you know, <laughs> I, it's just one of those things where it's just someone who's always going to be very special and play an instrumental part of my life. It's like one of your heroes. Like, it's one of those things where you'll, you remember everything they did, you remember everything they said, and. Gotta walk the walk and talk the talk, and that man did it. So the he best three point shooter of all time, one of them, I will say. And I'm that's why number one, eight points and nine seconds. Mm, excellent, excellent choice for number one, and he is a phenomenal player and, and fantastic. And his sister wasn't so bad either. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, just a whole family full of uh, absolute awesomeness. Um, my number one goes back to what I said. Now, after the boycott at the Summer Olympics in 1980, the U.S. decided to attend. The Winter Olympics of 1980. And, oh boy, did we make a statement. For anybody who knows, the Russians were undefeated, unbeatable, monsters, machines at ice hockey. They were just like, there was no chance. You never beat them. You never will beat them. They were it. Well, a little guy named Herb said, guess what? That ain't fucking true. And he took a bunch of nobody's guys, a bunch of like nobody cared about, has-been amateur guys. He put this team together, and then the legendary sports announcer, Mr. Al Michaels himself, calling football now, but probably delivered the most epic and iconic line in sports history, do you believe in miracles, (laughs) when the U.S. hockey team in the 1980 Winter Olympics took down the fucking Russians by one goal at the last second to achieve the miracle and beat the machine. Probably inspired fucking Rocky IV when he's, he's not a machine. He, you know, I, I'm just telling you, it was one of the single greatest sporting events in history. It was, like I said, probably the most iconic delivery of a line in sports history by Al Michaels. Everybody knows it. Everybody's heard it. They made a fucking movie about it with Kurt Russell uh, called Miracle. If you haven't seen it, watch it. But, um, It will inspire you. It will fire you up. It will say, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you've been through, you can win, you can achieve, you can have success if you believe that you can do it. And that's what this movie did. That's what this event did. That's what these men did. Um, Just fucking epic. The miracle on ice in 1980 Winter Olympics. The U.S. beats the Russians. 
Yes, and as you guys can tell, we are very passionate about sports and history <laughs> events and everything like that. Yeah. So that is our top five this week, historical sporting events. So we want to know yours. What is your favorite historical sporting event? Please be sure to comment in the YouTube comment section or be sure to add us on Twitter because we love that conversation. Yes! Oh, man, oh, man. But now it's time for the box office recap. Of course, Spider-Man No Way Home is still number one. Hanging on to that spot. Um, <laughs> took it back. Remember, yeah. like, what? was it that oh scream yeah scream bumped it for like a week yeah and then for a week he said uh, nope. literally. <laughs> um, it had 14 million last week scream had 12.2 sing 2 brought in 5.8 still need to see that i know i still need to see the first one a redeeming love came in at number four with 3.5 and the kingsman came in at number five with 1.8 need to see that too uh new movies that are coming out here soon are like the Raquin clean taste of hunger, moonfall, and the worst person in the world. I know of nothing of those. <laughs> Literally, like that. What his a fucking dude. His bag. comments pissed me off. Like, ugh. But, Are we feminine, Sean? Right. Come talk, uh, talk, talk, talk to us on the show, bitch. Exactly. Like, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, movies you can still go see are the 355, the American Underdog, mm. great movie. We watched that one as well. Uh, the King's Daughter, West Side Story, and Licorice Pizza, mm. which I heard is pretty good. I've heard that's pretty good too. Um, now, IMDb Pro, top trending segment, which is very interesting because I'm surprised some of these things are still number one. Um, Eternals. Probably because it was d- released on uh, Disney Plus recently, and it had like extended stuff that wasn't in it in yeah. the theater. So that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. The top trending TV show is Euphoria, and oh my god, season two is so good. Have you started Zend- it yet? I have not. Zendaya, guys, like so good. God, she's good. So freaking good, man. I mean, if you're not watching this show, you got to be prepared to watch this show. But if you're not watching the show, you got to watch <laughs> when it. Shinola Hampton said she watched She was it. like, I'm not letting my kids out. I've seen Euphoria. Like, oh, yeah. And you do have to be prepared to watch. The young drug dealer, man. They're like, oh, my God. He'll just fucking blow you away. Like, yeah. It's just crazy. It's so good, man. It's so good. And the top trending star is Gaspard Uel. Uh, yeah. You, you know who that is? I have no idea. No idea. Well, kudos to them. They're rocking and rolling. <laughs> Consult IMDB, which is why it's the star meter topper. Exactly. Exactly, man. Exactly. Well, anyway, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 182 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. And man, oh man, season five is going to be a good one. And we're kicking it off with some absolute amazing guests. So excited. Be sure to follow the company and uh, podcast on social media. The company is at Crazy Ant Media on all all social media platforms and of course the podcast is on social media at itcaf podcast so be sure to check those out we love the fan interaction and i mean our intern slash social media manager has been freaking killing it on the crazy ant media account so be sure to follow delana as well yes we appreciate her uh be sure to follow us both personally on social media myself at jlo fantastic and at crazy ant guy 1970 that's right guys and you know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast we're on anchor apple podcast spotify google play music our radio podbean stitcher so much more we're on so many things did you say spotify yeah we said spotify and be sure to check us out on our youtube channel yes where you can hit the like button on our video subscribe to the channel and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications that we 
we have coming out of Crazy Ant Media. And it's so exciting. Do that because as you guys know, towards the end of season four and now into season five, all of our guest segments, we do them Zoom now. Exactly. So you can actually see the, the interviews and all that kind of stuff. It's so fun. It's so amazing. Definitely subscribe to that. Do it. Do, do it. it. And be sure to visit our website, <laughs> www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Valentine's Day is coming up, and we have stuffed teddy bears. We have stuffed little uh, uh, dogs. Like I mean, we have the Valentine's merch out now, so be sure to check those out. And follow our social media accounts so you can know when you can get those promo deals because that is very important a 15 percent off uh, promo deal just ended but our next one is coming up so be sure to follow us so you can know when you can get that free, and we that haven't sale. forgot about you ladies it's not just bunk no. antoinette yes. we've got girl power shirts and oh we're all set for valentine's day with antoinette making her big appearance too so check that out it's gonna be awesome for sure for sure well i mean just reflecting on the show a little bit I, i'm just honestly so happy to be back and to be talking yeah. about the entertainment news again because it's just it's been a while man it's been a while i mean there's text between us and there's conversation between us but we don't dive deep into every (laughs) single topic like we do with this so this podcast is very special to us it's very special to me because it's definitely helped me come out of my shell and have just talked to random people (laughs) way easier because i like five years ago i would have never been able to do that he didn't even talk yeah. Like, 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 go back, listen to year one. No. Listen to now, and you'll see the, what he's talking about. The growth that he has had over the five years has just been unfucking believable. It is so good. Um, I, I don't lose my voice anymore. It's, it's true. Like, <laughs> it's fantastic. It really has been just an absolute joy doing this for the four full years and now into our fifth year. Um, we have a blast. You can tell we have passion yes. for the industry that we are in, that we love. Um for the people that are in it, for the people we are inspiring to get into it. Um, and it has just been an amazing ride, and it's going to continue to be an amazing ride. And, um, yeah, we're just reflecting on it. It's just a really personal thing for us, and we are blessed to have all of you guys because we couldn't be around for five years without you guys um, and all of our phenomenal guests and just like, oh, my God, it's so good to be back. It really is, man. It really is. 2022, the year of the ant. We're super excited yeah. about it, and you guys know we love the one, the only Oprah! Oprah!